Some of the matters discussed on today's podcast may be distressing. Please listen with caution. Hey there, Black Mom Diaries. What do you do when it's one bad thing after another? On this episode of Black Mom Diaries, LaTanya and I chatted up with self-leadership coach Jacinta Bruton. Amid the backdrop of her traumatic true story of grief and loss, Jacinta helps people lead themselves to success in their personal and professional lives. Jacinta earned a bachelor's degree in sociology, master's degree in leadership, and lean Six Sigma Green Belt Certification in Performance Improvement. She's a mom, a wife, and a working professional who enjoys finding new ways to avoid all those pesky carbs and spend quality time. (sighs) Hey, everybody. This is Patricia. And I am LaTanya. And we are... The Black, Black Mom Diaries. Diaries. Okay, that was so much airtime. I felt like <laughs> I felt like you know, I felt like we were like on a skateboard and we caught uh-huh. the air there. You know what I'm saying? But it's all good. time. Yeah, that yeah. was way better than the last 14 times. I mean, I feel like it. I feel like we finally got our groove. Finally. Yeah. yeah. So, That's yeah. what's up. Yeah. How yeah. are you today? Well, you know what? It's cooling down, right? Because mm-hmm. it just is. And I'm good because it's cooling down and I can sit mm-hmm. on my balcony mm-hmm. and enjoy the sunset without looking like a burnt potato. <laughs> looking like a burnt what? A, a potato. Because I get bronze in this okay. time. You know what I'm saying? Like I was uh-huh. light skinned it is. But then I get... <laughs> I get bronze, you know, you know, I can't get, you know, I used to, uh, I used to burn a lot, but, Mm. um, because I was light, you know, fair skin in Mm. Florida. And then I got stuck on that roller coaster going Mm -hmm. up and I got stuck (laughs) in the sun and I thought, Uh, I thought black people didn't get sunburned. Oh no. Yeah. I say that with a capital L and a high pitch A. Yes. (laughs) Can I tell you how many times I went over this with my husband when we were dating? Mm -hmm. I he was always like, you know, because I had always had the sunscreen and I would ask him, You want some sunscreen? Black people don't burn. I don't need any of that. What are you talking about? Yes, they do. (laughs) I have been burned before by the sun. Have some sunscreen. No, black people don't burn. Okay. All right, whatever. (laughs) All right, never mind. And I, I think, I think even, it's specific. It's specific black people. Like the skin and you know, your husband's darker than you, right? Yeah. Yeah. My husband's darker than me. He doesn't sunburn. He can stay in the huh. sun all day. He does. Okay. Well, yeah. I'm one of those people that that burns. I'll never forget when I was in high school in cheerleading camp. I believed that same lie. And guess what? We had to do um for whatever reason that that year of cheerleading camp we had to do all these different funky hairstyles and on crazy ponytail day I had Mm -hmm. like two ponytails so my hair was um uh parted in the middle no sunscreen Uh hair grease girl oh my scalp 
hurt so bad. Your I got scalp a sunburn. Yes, I got a sunburn on my scalp. And also I got a sunburn on my nose. Yeah, that's the I only see. place I burn on the top of my nose, like forehead. Mm-hmm. But like nothing else. That your scalp, I never my scalp, my scalp, girl, my scalp. You're and the first person that, I've ever I heard. I was like, oh no, black people burn. It, you so know, I'll buy some sunscreen. I told, well, I don't still don't buy sunscreen for my kids because I'm not thinking we're going to be in the sun that long. Mm-hmm. And so my seven-year-old, the talker, we went mm-hmm. to a pool party um, back in the summer and they were like, come on over here. Let's put some sunscreen on. Mm-hmm. My son goes over and says, no, my dad says we have built in sunscreen in our skin and we don't need it. Mm-hmm. He, that's what he tells them. Now, my son is a little bit he's a little bit lighter you know him mm-hmm. uh, he's a little bit lighter than me but they just get bronze you know I always say bronze in this thing they get bronze in this thing too and mm-hmm. he didn't burn because that's it you were out there hours right like I mean three hours in the sun is not going to burn us but we were stuck on that roller coaster it had to be about 50 minutes but it was di- 50 minutes but it was mm-hmm. direct sunlight on our face oh wow yeah, we couldn't even put our hand up. So, you know, I'm sitting out. <laughs> I got, you know, y'all can't see my face. But no breaks. Like, oh, boy. They was like, we were coming to get you guys. But anyway, I could talk about that. Experience. I have never gotten on a roller coaster since that ride. You know, I haven't been on a roller coaster since back in the day when my husband and I were dating. I think we went for our one year anniversary to a theme park. And that was the last time I got on the roller coaster because when we left, girl, my head was hurting so bad. I felt nauseous. I felt dizzy. And I was like, and also I was, I was scared out of my mind. And I was like, why did I used to like riding roller coasters when I was younger? This is awful. So after that, I was like, I think I'm good. (laughs) I had, I had whiplash. My neck was frozen for a whole week. And I was oh, only no. like 30 years old. I don't get it. Like, I don't get on them. I just let my kids involve, um, get on. But, yeah. you know, it's all good. So we have a guest today, right? We do have a guest today. And I'm yep. very excited about, about this guest. Yes. So, what do you do when it's one bad thing after another? On this episode of Black Mom Diaries, Latanya and I are going to chat with self-leadership coach Jacinta Bruton. And at the backdrop of her traumatic true story of grief and loss, Jacinta helps people lead themselves to success in their personal and professional lives. Jacinta earned a bachelor's degree in sociology, a master's degree in leadership, and lean Six Sigma Green Belt certification in performance improvement. She's a mom, a wife, and a working professional who enjoys finding new ways to avoid all those pesky carbs and spend quality time with loved ones, including herself. So without further ado, but um bum 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 bum, I would like to welcome to the Black Mom Diaries virtual house, Miss Jacinta Bruton. Welcome. Thank you. I feel so honored. It's such a privilege to you grace your it. stage, your yes. illustrious stage. Goodbye How y'all doing? Here. Goodbye. So let me tell you something about what yeah. y'all said about this, this scalp. I mean, this scalp. I was like, okay, well, that's a first. I've never heard that before. <laughs> but I grew up in South Florida. So that that heat and that needing the um needing that to be on your face is definitely, uh-huh. I know about that. I know about that. 
Florida, I think Florida and Texas, they have very different heat, right? The humidity. They sure do. That humidity, honey. The humidity. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. This happened in Florida for what I'm talking about. I was in okay. Tampa. I'm oh, okay. You were in Tampa. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's got that brutal. So I feel I think Texas, where where we live, it feels like being in an oven or being in front of an oven. You know, when you are cooking something in an oven, you open it. Yes. Yes. On your face. That's that a great example. What does Florida great. heat feel like? Because I've never been to Florida. Sticky. It's, it's sticky. I was gonna. That's the best word. It's sticky and it's just humid, and you feel like you just gotta do this thing where you're like are peeling your clothes off. Like, yes, just, you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's just that. Just like, just get me out of this. Mm. <laughs> right. Like if you could, if there was like walk-in showers on every block, you would walk. There you go. That's it the right shower. there. That's it right there. Yes. And it's hot water in hot weather kind of feeling. Uh, yeah, Shower yeah, water. yeah, pretty much. Mm -hmm. pretty much. But then mm -hmm. I hear Arizona's different. Oh, no, Ari Arizona's like, yeah, we, I'm not going there. Yeah. And Cali. I heard Cali heat is different too. Really? I, I thought Ca it was Cali nice Cali is like, their weather is perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Oh yeah. You lived out there. Yes. And yeah, I miss yeah. the weather and not Marcus, my husband. When we lived out there, he didn't deal with allergies. So that was really nice for him not to like be all sneezy all day in the morning and everything. Wait, so now he feels like he gets it in Texas now? Oh yeah. As soon as oh, we really? moved back to Texas, he was like all over the place. So and he oh. won't drink apple cider vinegar. Actually, that's not true. He started doing that. Um, and I've been an apple cider vinegar drinker for forever. And it's funny, you know, it doesn't smell the best, but he is always making fun of me. And I was always like, you want some? Here, I'll give you a little bit. It would help with the allergies. And he's like, no, no thanks. So he just so, refuses. Okay. Yeah. Well, but now I mean, he, he drinks it a little bit now. So. Okay. <laughs> I got something for him. I'm going to bring it back. You know, I like holistic stuff. So. Well, I was going to say, wait a minute now. What, what is that? Share it with the folks. <laughs> oh, know. Just, you know, we talked about, uh, I feel like this is a, a, a Black Mom Diary name drop. You know, when we was on the April uh, episode, this uh, oh, April uh -huh. Stewart's episode, and we mm. talked about the garlic, the roasted garlic soup. It's oh. good, but you actually add some nettle um leaf to it and a mm -hmm. little bit of lemongrass and you drink on it all day like just mix it with something and you sip on it all day i'm gonna I'm act like i know what nettle leaf is okay uh, <laughs> i'm gonna act for a minute like i know and i'm gonna go look it up later <laughs> yep it's Latanya's really good gonna, she's gonna send the recipe and i'm air quoting uh she's gonna send the recipe to us okay so. good <laughs> <laughs> well, it's so good to have you on the show today, Miss Jacinta. Thank Glad you again here. for being here. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna jump right in because we have a lot to talk about. So, first of all, you know, there's there's always a few questions that we like to ask our guests typically just to, to get warmed up. So, what is the most challenging part of motherhood for you? I think it's interesting. The question itself is a good question because it automatically assumes right on in it that it's highs and lows. And I think that's the best part of that question because there's highs and lows um, when it comes to being a mom. And I think the most challenging part for me is this 
gnawing thought of, am I doing this right? Am I doing this right? Am I doing this right? Am I getting this right? Is that right? Is this right? Is this okay? Will this be okay? Am I going to totally send my kids to therapy when they get older and they're going to just report back one Christmas, you know, when they're like 25, like, remember that time you did that thing? Yeah, that totally ruined my life. Like, that's the thing where it's like, okay, am I getting this right? That every day, and as the Omnia's toilet bowl flushes with my little three-year-old right next door, right? So like, am I getting it right? Is that challenge. Real life. motherhood. Real, Real life. life. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know I'm always like, my, the question that I always ask myself is, are my kids going to want to hang out with me when they get older? Like when they actually, oh. face, are they going to want to hang mm-hmm. out? I hope so. But yeah, it's I, I just yeah. affirm it. I affirm that that they're going to want to hang out with me in their space at that that's time. right. That's right. Right? Because right now we're like they're all up under our, you know, our breast and on right, our right. You know, and we're like, we know it's not gonna always be like this, but I always affirm so that my kids are always gonna be with me, whether it's let's go to breakfast, mom, and hang out something as they get older. Right. Right. Aww. I like that. I like that affirming. Yeah, me too. Yeah. And speaking things that are not as though they will be. Yes. Mm-hmm. Love that. <laughs> but yeah, for oh, me, yeah. that's the most challenging is just being honest and saying there's highs and lows. And one of the mm-hmm. things that I question is, am I getting this right? Mm-hmm. You know? Well, I like to end on the positive note. Um, so what are the best parts or what are the highs of motherhood for you? Oh my God. The highs to me are more abundant than the, the, that gnawing question because they come in little things. Like they come in smiles. They come in giggles. Like the other day, um, the kids were just playing around and I just stopped while what I was doing, washing the dishes. And I heard them just giggling. I was like, I would love to record this because it's just so sweet. And they're just having a good time. So the purity of what kids are and how honest they are, I love that. Um, the other part about being a mom is how it challenges me um, to stretch and be better because I am a working mom. Um, so I love that part of, okay, well, how do I balance all of this? And, and the illusion of balance, that's a whole nother topic. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> but the other thing I love about motherhood is um, that I, it's, some, it's a title I get to keep forever now, right? Like it's one role that will stick with me forever. And I think that that also helps with just how invested I am in being their mommy. And so I have a three-year-old and a six-year-old. She just turned six um, recently. So she is loving it. She's loving it. <laughs> so that's, those are the things I love. And I find things all the time to try to like and appreciate and affirm, to use uh, Latanya's, Latanya's words, to affirm. Yes. Yeah, that's, that's awesome um, that... Uh, the I heard something the other day when you mentioned the giggles and things like that. Uh, I heard someone tell a story yesterday about how she saw kids playing in the yard and it was just so blissful. And the first thing she wanted to do was ask, <laughs> where y'all going? It was Mary, one of the Mary Mary girls. She wanted to say, where y'all mama at? But, <laughs> but she was like, the kids were having such a great time. Yes. Change, and they wasn't worried about anything mm-hmm. and, and she said she just stood there and looked at him and it gave her a great just the best feeling it weren't even her children yeah mm-hmm. just take in the moment mm-hmm. yes so I've been doing a lot more of taking in the moments that's and that's good. one of the things I'm loving about motherhood that is so important just taking in the moments because time goes so quickly 
And I know sometimes I think back and I'm like, man, this little peanut, you know, you were just a little peanut and I could hold you with just, a, you know, with my hand because you were so tiny and now you're jumping up on me and hurting my back. <laughs> right. Because you don't realize how much bigger you've gotten and you weigh a lot more so and you're hurting me. <laughs> yeah. Well, what is your, what, what is your mom philosophy? the I think it's twofold one of it one of one of it one side of it is just stay stay with it um especially when they're at an age where they are pulling on you all the time like I had a a time recently where it's like I just felt like I wasn't doing any what my three-year-old needed I didn't need do what my six-year-old needed my husband was like okay what happened to this and I was like geez okay I'm not being affirmed right now so the uh, the first thing a part of my philosophy is you can affirm yourself right? Don't depend on everyone else, everyone else to say you're doing a good job and add a girl. Take a minute, (laughs) you know, I'll take a minute, I'll put on a good song and jam out, I'll stand in the mirror, I'll have a cry, but whatever it is, I won't let whatever the situation is, that even if it's negative or positive, I won't, most likely the negative ones are the ones though. So my philosophy is affirm, my first part of my philosophy is affirm yourself, and know that every day you're doing better than you did yesterday. And even if you didn't, you can always get it right the next day. And then I think the second part of my philosophy is have fun. I naturally am more of um, a, the thought that the phrase that comes to mind is stick in the mud, (laughs) but I'm more of a, like a, a very like focused, planned, strategic type person. And what I find in my philosophy with motherhood is if I just have fun, everybody's fine. Like they will be okay. So what I didn't plan out the way, the meal for the week, or I didn't make, you know, seaweed ice cubes or, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> it'll be okay. It will be fine. Have fun. So that's my twofold part of my philosophy. Stay in it. You're a great mom. You might not make, get it right all the times, but affirm yourself and then um, have fun with it. Yeah. But what, but what's get it right exactly right you know that's it right there that's who, it who who's making these right rules right <laughs> where they, they at and they don't live right. in my house <laughs> those people them right. you know them those over there that's when you start looking outside of yourself that's yeah. when you start like you said i love what you said about you know affirming myself you're not affirming the idea of who you should be you're uh, you're affirming you that's right. I think that's where we get lost at sometimes. We're starting, that's right. we start to think about what somebody's idea is about us and try to live in, in that. That's just Yeah, especially as Black moms too. Like we got mm. a different kind of thing. I remember one episode I heard you all talk about the differences in ethnicities and how we raise our children and how we parent um, as moms. And as a Black mom, um, I try really hard to set a tone in our, in our home and in our atmosphere where people can be honest and vulnerable. And I'm one of those people. Like, I feel like it's easy to set the atmosphere for other people, but then we like neglect ourselves. So I even set the atmosphere for myself to be vulnerable and open and say, hey y'all, okay, y'all, y'all pulling a lot. Where's mommy time? Like, what about me here? You know, not being selfish, but being vulnerable and setting that atmosphere and that tone in the house. I found as a black mom is important. I, I still have another question. What is selfish? Again, I let me tell like you these, these labels on stuff. Yes. Mm-hmm. What is that? Mm-hmm. It's not a, I don't, 
we put something there, but we really need to be selfish because we give it all out. We give it all mm-hmm. out regularly. Yeah. You know, and then, but when you're, you know, as you know, as your story will begin to unfold, when we're not feeling well, it, are we are we allowed to be selfish then only at that point? Right. When you everything's know? falling and crashing, then right. And that's too. So, and then oh, go ahead, Patricia. I was just gonna say that's too late. And I really it right. reminds me of what I mentioned in your intro. Uh, the last thing that I said is that you really enjoy spending quality time with yourself. I mean, with your mm-hmm. loved ones, including yourself. Including myself. That's right. And when I first read that after you sent it, I was like, oh, wow. You know, like she she actually thinks about herself as someone she loves. And yes. It's so easy to neglect self as a mom and do everything and give everything into your children. And then if you're in a marriage, um, give everything to your spouse and at the mm-hmm. end of the day you're just empty yeah you know so that's just important and to think about it's so important I guess I'll kick up can I start telling you all about mm-hmm. my experience and what Absolutely. got me to this point yes yeah. um so back in 2018 way back when in April, I was pregnant with twins and it was like so exciting because I had done like the faith thing. Like in 2017, I heard like a minister or something I read in the Bible, you know, have faith and speak to things. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna believe. Yeah. So I asked for twin boys. I was like very specific. I specifically wanted to get pregnant with twin boys. So I did. And I was like, what? So I was so excited. So come April, I'm like in my second trimester, everything's going okay. You know, of course the doctors are telling me I'm a geriatric patient because I'm 35 and talk about naming conventions. Like, let's talk about that. Like why I got to be geriatric, a geriatric mom. Like that's a whole nother thing. Either way, I was 35 pregnant with twins. Pregnancy was going well. One day, however, um, it was in April, 2018. I wasn't feeling the best. And my norm had been throughout the pregnancy, which was the same when I had my daughter, who was two years old at the time, I would just go take a shower. A nice warm shower would do me well. So I left downstairs where my husband was with our daughter having breakfast. We forego, um, we, we didn't go to church that day. I wasn't feeling the best. So I go upstairs by myself, close the door behind me to our bedroom, go into our bathroom, close that door, and didn't even think that I should get my phone because I was just going to take a shower, right? That's what I do. Um, when I'm not feeling the best. So I'm in standing in the shower and all of a sudden a rush of pain comes over me. And I'm like, I know this pain, this feels like I'm going into labor. So just as I'm trying to process that happening, the feeling of wanting to push comes over me so strong at the bottom of like my uterus or something. Like it was so, such a strong feeling. So I am literally in active labor trying not to push babies out in the shower. I can't walk because I feel like if I do, I'm not going to be able to hold, you know, my legs because the very function of walking means that you have to open, you know, so I can't do that. And so I'm standing in the shower, water running over me, praying. All of a sudden, my husband walks through the door and he's like, hey, babe, just checking on you. Are you okay? I'm like, nope, not okay. This is more than what I thought it was. Fast forward a few minutes, he walks me out into our bed with our two-year-old daughter watching, and he helps me deliver 
our first baby on our bed with 911 telling him how to do that. I'm pushing, I'm trying to, you know, I, I haven't seen a cute pregnancy push. You know, I'm trying to have a cute pregnancy push as much as I can with my two-year-old watching right there. But you know, my face is looking crazy. I'm trying to hold it together so she's not scared because we can't put her anywhere. This is happening so fast. Um, the ambulance comes, they get the baby. You know, as a mom, one of the first things you're listening for is the cry, right? You're listening for that, that cry. It's like, okay, this is crazy, but at least I hear the cry. I didn't hear a cry, y'all. And I had to, again, try to hold it together because now I have another baby in me <laughs> and I have my two-year-old watching and I'm, I have the concern of the baby not crying. All of this is happening at once. So the ambulance comes and they, the paramedic takes my one child, my one son, and they're trying to bring him to, they're trying to pump him. They're trying to get him to breathe, cry, all of that. Nothing's happening still. Meanwhile, they're looking at me strange, the ones that don't have the baby. And I'm like, what's going on? They're like, well, your narrow case, your stair staircase to your room is so narrow. We can't fit the stretcher in here, up the stairs. I'm like, okay, I get out of bed and I walk myself down the steps, right? Blood, umbilical cord, two-year-old men, all these men. It's like, y'all couldn't get a female paramedic. Anyways, long story short, I put myself on the stretcher and I then have our second child in the ambulance on the way to the hospital. So neither one of them was born in a, you know, sterile type of environment and all that kind of stuff. Totally unexpected. So they were born at 25 weeks. It was very, very, very early. They were preemies, but not just preemies. They were micro preemies, which I'd never had heard of. I just thought if you're born early, you're premature. Um, but when you're born that early, they are micro preemies, which means they have, um, they're in critical condition from the time they got it, they get out. So they get into the NICU and they're fighting for their little lives. The first boy, baby boy, his name is Gregory, um, named after his dad, uh, his namesake, he's Gregory III. And the second baby boy that was born in the ambulance, his name is Grayson. So Gregory and Grayson are in the NICU uh, we're going by every day. I'm pumping milk, right? Because I'm nursing. I'm trying to give them milk from me. And so I'm breast pumping all the time while going up to the NICU every single day, multiple times a day. And we get a call five weeks into this, this whole new routine that we're establishing, which was a whirlwind in and of itself. The, tra the trauma of a ba baby's coming early in April at home. May, we're getting into a rhythm of sorts, but they're still in the NICU fighting for their lives. And we get a call in the middle of the night, um, something's not right with the second baby that was born in the ambulance, baby Grayson. Uh, in short order, we, he, we okay the surgery he needs to have. And within a couple of days of that surgery, it was found that he um, would not survive the sickness that had um, come into his body. So he had necrotizing intercoalitis called neck. It's a disease where their intestines um, just, they're, they're, they're not, they don't, they can't fight off what has attacked their intestines, right? They don't have, and we explore different things, but you, you know, you can't have really a, a transplant um, or a transfusion for organs that small, you know, because if you're taking it from someone, you know, like it, there's just not a possibility for that right now at the time. So he passed away um, in May 
so the very next month, uh, we had his funeral. So if you're tracking with the timeline, April, we have twins traumatically. May, baby Grayson dies. June, we have his funeral. We called it a celebration of life service, which again was another trauma because I've never picked out a casket for a baby. And then you realize you really can't pick out a casket because they don't even make them that small. So you're really um, dealing with a whole nother set of emotions and things with that. Then the next month we're thinking, okay, baby Gregory is starting to do better. So he, he's moved from the more critical side of the NICU, the neonatal intensive care unit to the you know almost ready to go home side, which is a good sign, right? He's starting to breathe a little bit better and things like that. Well, we brought him home and we were like, okay, finally. Okay, now we can start grieving the loss of baby Grayson. Now we can explain to our two-year-old why the twin, you know, the two cribs we had in the room, we have to take one away, this two sets of clothes we have to take away. You know, we can start that process, the healing journey. Until July hit and I went in for what I thought was a routine visit to just tell the doctors that this cough that I had, that they need to do this little surgery for, you know how we do as moms, that can wait. You know, we're going to wait on that little surgery about this cough that I have. We're going to wait on that. Listen, here's the situation. I just had twins. One of them passed away. I got to take care of the one I got at home because he's still, um, you know, we got to gotta watch him. We have a two-year-old. You know, I'm, I'm coming here as a courtesy to y'all pretty much. You know how we do. Coming in here as courtesy to y'all so that I can go ahead and get this schedule for about a year out because I'm still nursing and we can do this little surgery later. They were like, um, the surgeon said, um, he came into the room. It's like, Miss Bruton, I, I realize you didn't understand exactly what this was, but this is cancer. Wait, what? Said, wait, wait a minute. So not only is it cancer, it's stage three and it's very aggressive. So my treatment plan had to begin immediately. So I was diagnosed on July 31st, the very last day of July the very next month I start chemotherapy. I mean, it was no time in between to wait. They said, this is very much something that we have to treat aggressively. So I go from trying to process all of that to losing all my hair to um, being weak. Um, the chemotherapy was, they, it was so strong that one part of it was so strong, they called it the red devil. It was, I had to get the treatment on a Thursday and not bring it back until the Monday when I came in for my next treatment, because it was so powerful that if it dripped all at once, you would die. Like it was just that toxic to your body. So I had to have this attached to my body and I still have a scar for it where they had to have it drip through my body for about three days, very slowly. So I can get this other part of the treatment after chemotherapy. Then I had to have a surgery where I have a large scar on my chest called a sternotomy. And then after the sternotomy, I had to learn how to walk again. I got pneumonia. I had to, I had to, I don't even know if I told you this, I had to fight off what could have been um, a, a, a prescribed drug addiction because I was getting Oxycontin and it was so powerful and it did the job. I was definitely not feeling the pain, but that was a problem. I didn't feel anything else either. So then there's that. And then I finally get to the point where I was ready to have radiation, which was photo, photon, proton therapy um, radiation. And all of that happened over the course of month to month to month to month, starting in April, 2018. Whew, it's been a journey. Yeah, that you, your story, again, that's amazing that you are 
such an upbeat person. I just love it. You know, some people kind of live back in that and it just carries on and on. Yeah. I want to ask you about at this time, your mama's heart, where was it doing? You're trying to take care of your, you're not trying, you're doing like that fight Mm -hmm. to make it. What was it? What was going on with you at this time? It was tough because prior to all of this happening back in 2014, I had been doing all the good stuff, been married to my husband for 11 years and we didn't want to have kids yet. Finally, I was, cause I was a good girl, you know, I was doing everything the right way. Finally, I finally decided I wanted to have children. So I got pregnant and then I had a miscarriage and I was mad with God. I mean, mad. I was pissed. Like, how could you do this? I did it all right. So I've already dealt with during that time, I start dealing with what my identity would be like not being a mom. Cause I had attached so much of, to, of who I am as a woman to being a mom, meaning birthing out my own children, not realizing all the aunties, grandmas and them who may not have children, but they are moms, no less, right? So I start dealing with all of that since 2014. So that's playing in the background. Fast forward to answer your question more directly. I start thinking about that. Okay, so this doesn't make me not be a good mom. Cause at first that guilt of, wait, did I, you know, was there something, was I trying to do too much? You know how you do sometimes trying to do this and that work, da, da, da. And was I doing too much? So I had to get rid of the guilt soon, very quickly, because that was not going to be good for my cancer journey. Um, uh, my doctors, my, cause I had a whole team of doctors. They were saying your, your chances of doing well are very good. Your prognosis is very good because you have an upbeat, upbeat attitude. If you can keep that upbeat attitude, we think you'll have a great success with this treatment plan we have you on. So I thought, okay, well, I can't live in the guilt, right? I got to get over the guilt fast, but I did have to give myself a grief moment, like moments. And I still have triggers. Um, I still, um, I'll give you a great example. The other day I told my daughter, you know, going, she's, uh, she's in, you know, in first grade and she's going into school, you know, with the mask and everything. And I told her to go upstairs and which she does every night, go upstairs, pick up your, pick out your clothes for the next day. So I'm always surprised at what I'm, what she's going to find, right? She's going to match, she's not going to match, whatever. But we just let her be her as long as it's nothing outrageous, like certain little shorts you don't wear to school, baby. You know, that's for home, but that kind of thing. So I go up there that, that night and I look, she has it all laid out, what she's going to wear, her birthday outfit. Her birthday happened and she wanted to wear something special. So she picked out the yellow dress that she wore to her son, her brother's funeral. I was not ready for that. That took me completely by surprise right I didn't even think yeah go ahead yeah yeah no 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 that was that was great you answered you answered it um just just perfectly because they told you what I was thinking like your mindset is everything yeah when you're going through it I just just life period yes but especially when your body isn't in the the wellness that you know, you want it to be, you yeah. have to keep that positive mindset and you answered it perfectly. Yeah. Thank so that's, you. It's an ongoing thing. And I don't want to um, give the illusion that, you know, I'm good now. No, I have moments. I have moments. Just last night, um, I was going to take the kids somewhere and like the park or something. So I grabbed some shoes. I'm like, why haven't I worn these shoes in so long? I'm tripping. I get the pair of shoes and one of the pair of shoes is the shoelaces are looking all strange. I'm like, why wouldn't somebody lace up the shoe strings? 
I put on the shoes, I lace them up, I put on the shoes, I come back home. I'm like, wait a minute. And then it hit me. These are the shoes my husband grabbed when the paramedics said, get a pair of shoes and get some tennis shoe laces and tie the umbilical cord off. Like those are the shoes he picked. Whoa. Yeah. And I'm like, whoa, three years ago, (laughs) these were the shoes. And I realized, wait, that's why. And so, you know how sometimes you go through life and you avoid things, you don't even realize why. Mm -hmm. And I had been avoiding those shoes for three years and I couldn't, I didn't get it until that moment just yesterday. And I, and I got chills and I'm like, wow, look how far we've come. Mm-hmm. Like I literally walked a mile in those shoes. It's so interesting how grief hits us. And I know um, for people that deal with different types of losses, uh, for me, you know, the loss of my father, people have asked me several times, well, how do you feel on his birthday and that sort of thing? And it's, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't get emotional on his birthday always. Um, and when I found out that he passed away, I was at rehearsal. And so I broke down on the, on the side of the road. And I remember this stranger was like, oh my word, are you okay? And I was inconsolable. Yeah. (laughs) You know, that was several years ago. That was over 10 years ago. And even now to this day, it's not his birthday or father's day that gets me always. So, I mean, sometimes, but it's just random moments. Yes. Think about a joke he told, or, um, I see him and my son some way yeah. he acts and, and I get like choked up and I have to get myself together. Um, so yeah, that the fact that you said that you got those shoes and you had been avoiding them. And then, you know, all of a sudden that stuff came back. That's, that's not surprising. It's just a reminder of how grief sneaks up on us Mm -hmm. those moments. And what I've learned is don't try to avoid the moments. Just go through the moment of it. Like let yourself have that. It's like what we do as moms. At least that's one of the things strategies I use for our kids when I, when I was growing up, it would be like, okay, just stop crying. Okay, stop, stop, stop. Now with our kids, with myself, even it's like, okay, have the emotion. Like, I, I know you hurt. I know that hurt you. I know your boo-boo. You got a little scratch. Oh, I know that hurt. Right. Did it hurt? Yes. It hurt. Okay. It's okay to cry. I understand. We all cry too sometimes. Um, and then you go past it. What I find is trying to repress it or suppress those moments does worse. It like, it ends up being, it shows up one way or the other. So I'm snapping at the kids or I'm snapping at my husband, or I don't feel like doing the work I'm supposed to be doing because I don't, we sometimes don't necessarily consciously connect those things, but subconsciously they're still there. So I've realized just allow myself to have the moments and it's okay. Have your, let yourself have the grief moments. Um, I dealt with something, this is just three years in. I talked to somebody the other day She's, it's been seven years removed from the loss of one of her, um, her sibling, and she still has those moments. Um, so I just, one of the things I wanted to do is share the stigma of trying to get it together is a, a fallacy. The getting together is the journey. That's the journey. It's not a one moment in time thing. Yeah. It's been 30 years since my aunt lost her son. And she's, she's like one of my strongest people that I, that I lean on. And I always ask her, I say, so how is that? You know, cause mm-hmm. I, you know, cause it was, that was the first person closest to me to ever, um, transition. And she said, uh, 
it's not easy, but I know I have my other, I had my other three boys to live for. And mm-hmm. that's what makes me, you know, and even though they're in their, they're, my, my cousins are in their sixties now, she still sees that as this is my purpose. Wow. Wow. What was your faith like? Because you had said that back in 2014, you did everything right. And you got, you know, you and your husband got married, you had been married for a bit, and you decided, I'm ready to have a child. And when you lost that child, you were angry with God, you know, and mm-hmm. you and I, we, we have talked before, and you had said, you know, I've done everything right. And this was my plan for life. And, right. <laughs> you know, so why wouldn't it work? And you have this extreme faith where it says, you know, ask and it shall be given. Like, right. you, you truly believe that in your fiber. So how was your, how was your faith during this time when it was boom, 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 one thing after another? Yeah, it was, um, it wasn't, I, it might shock you, but the 2014, what my faith was more shaken than it was when 2018 happened. 2014, that was like the first time, because I'm, you have to understand, I'm a planner, I get stuff done, I get what I want, like, that's been my, my level of faith, I believe it, I strategize, I get it, right, um, and then when I didn't get it in 2014, and I felt like it was cruel punishment for something, I don't know what I did wrong, right, that's what I was thinking, uh, I had a breakdown in my faith, and then I learned about something called enmity, where you are angry at God, and it, was a beautiful thing to experience before all this happened because I realized not only is God not surprised by the fact that you have the feelings you have he he knows them already so you can go ahead and bring them to him so I learned from then that it doesn't help to close God out because you really can anyway so throughout this process starting in 2018 my relationship and my faith in God has grown tremendously because I felt like I only had one of two choices. I could either ignore God and act like he's not there and be miserable anyway and still have to go through all the reality of what I'm going through. It's not like it would go away if I was mad at God. Or I can lean into him more and say, okay, I don't get this. Um, one of the things that kept happening was people kept telling me how strong I was. Oh my God, you're so strong. Your faith is so strong. And one day I said to God, I was like, look, if you wanted people, like I get them, like I get it. Like People thinking I'm strong, okay, got it. Like, I'm good now. I don't need any more of your lessons with me being strong. I'm good, I'm good here. And what I felt him say to me was a scripture in Ephesians 6.10 that says, well, now you're ready because you've been relying on your strength for all these years. And Ephesians 6.10 says, be strong in his might and in his power. And I say, okay, God, teach me. Teach me how to lean on your strength because I don't have strength for this. This is beyond me. And I think boldness in Christ has grown so much because I know it to be true that I can cast all my cares on him. I can be honest. Like I went through my journal one time and I saw that I just was cussing. Like I was like, this S sucks. People who know me knows, first of all, I tried to cuss before and I just don't do it well. And so it's not effective. not effective cussing so I don't cuss um but but just even seeing that in my journal I didn't have words to articulate I didn't have a scripture I didn't have a sermon I didn't have a a song like I didn't have words all I could think of the most mad I could get was this cuss word and I just have it in my journal and I'm like this has sucks and that was it that was my journal entry 
And I'm just so glad that we serve the kind of God that can carry us and we don't have to carry him in our pocket, right? He can carry us even when it doesn't make sense. And it's true. Um, and so that's why in the work that I do as a coach, I'm all about not, not the roses, not the, the colored glasses and everything's rosy and it'll be all right. Pick yourself up by the bootstrap. No, we deal with stuff. It's hard. Um, one of my coaching clients was infertile. Like she could not get pregnant and she's a woman of faith. Okay. What do you tell somebody? Go read scripture. No, like we got to process that stuff and we got to lean into our identity and all of that stuff. So you ask about my faith. My faith was strengthened because I realized similar to what Latana, you said, your, your aunt says about her son, she has uh, her sons that are living. I have other things to live for, right? That was not the totality of who I am as a person. So that's the one part of my faith. But the other part is if I live this part, this, this life right on this side of eternity, I will see that child again, both of those children. Um, and one of the hardest things that happened for me was a trigger when I had an application to fill out after all this happened and they asked for how many kids you have. And I felt super guilty that I wasn't able to put the, the first baby that died in the miscarriage, baby peace is what we call him. And our second baby, baby Grayson, I couldn't write those names down on the application, right? Cause they're not asking that. But I felt so guilty, like, but I don't want to act like I'm not acknowledging my other children. Because to me, I'm a mom of four, period. Two on earth, two in heaven. So the process of the faith, I think faith is a journey, not a destination. It's a, a day by day thing. Sometimes, sometimes, honestly, I'd be like, you know, I can speak to this mountain. I got faith today. Yes. Come and come and get me today, Jesus. I'm ready. Other days, it's like, well, I'm pissed. I'm mad or whatever it is, you know. But that's one of the things I love about the journey is that it's just that it's a journey. And I learn stuff about myself all the time. It ebbs and flows. And yeah, I, for sure. I love that. I love your raw, genuine answer, because I think that a lot of times um, and one of my issues, too. And, you know, I, I am a believer in Jesus. But one of my issues with some people that call themselves that is that they're just like, oh, happy all the time and everything's so perfect. And Child, please. anybody see me sweat? And it's like, mm -mm. nobody wants to see that. No. That's people hate you because you're yeah. <laughs> not showing your real true self. That's Authenticity right. is everything. And the fact that you're like, yeah. you know, you say you wrote in your journal, this S sucks. Sometimes it. it just be like that. They just be like We're that. All mm -hmm. human beings, and we have those moments. So get over yourself and be real <laughs> with people. That's right. You know? That's so exactly they got to be right. real with themselves. The reason yes. they're not real with people is because they're not real with themselves. You have to come to there that within. And your well, you hit on something when you say that because I I dealt. The Because I used to be, like you were just saying, Patricia, I used to be that happy-go-lucky. <laughs> Everything's fine. Just get a scripture. You'll be fine. Uh, scripture, they keep the devil away. I, I used to be like that, honestly. Um, and this situation helped me be way more authentic. First of all, I wasn't here for the foolery anymore. I was like, yeah, well, I ain't got, I ain't got that. You're going to get this rawness because that's what I have to give. But the other part of it was when I went through counseling because I was diagnosed with... Um, it's not chronic PTSD, but it's like low grade. I don't want I, I, I to say, you know, there's like a spectrum. I was on the lower spectrum of PST, PTSD um, that I was diagnosed. And, and just to be clear, I, I totally think mental health is a thing. And so I'm saying this out loud to destigmatize um, how we label things and we think it's so terrible. 
At the same time, though, I don't own that I have any kind of mental health problems. I feel like I'm renewed in Christ Jesus. So I want to be clear about that. But the reason I even brought, brought that up is because during this process, I, I, in counseling, realized that a lot of how I was like that was because I thought I had to please everybody in order for everybody to like me because I was dealing with abandonment issues from my father. This is years. This is like 30 something years. I'm 35 at the time, like decades of unresolved abandonment issues that have swelled into um, trying to wear a mask and be something that nobody even really wants anyway. Um, but I'm thinking that that's what I have to do. I have to perform. I have to get the added girls from other people and then I'll be acceptable because back in the day when I was abandoned, I didn't feel accepted. Yeah, th there's a lot to impact, unpack with what you mm -hmm. said. Like that's a whole beast, <laughs> you know? Just right there. Um, mm -hmm. I went through a training just to kind of recap some of the things that you were saying is that um, everything around you is a reflection of your past trauma or something that has happened that you must deal with. Go ahead, get it, feel it, cry, do whatever you got to do, write your journal entry. That's right. Be in that moment. That's right. Only take 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. We ain't talking about go lay in the bed for eight days. I get it. I know I've been in a depressed place and I, it feels good just being alone, but no, deal with it. Give yourself mm -hmm. that 10 minutes to feel it and go on and redirect your day. That's right. Uh, this is a great conversation. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it is. It is. And so I want to, I want to keep moving forward and I want to ask you, um, because you said your daughter was there, she she witnessed it. Have you had a chance to talk to her about it? And if not, in the future, are you? Is there going to be a time when you when you talk to her and your son about what happened? Yeah. So I dealt with we dealt with this. We started to deal with this first of all because she saw it, right? And then she saw she knew that there were two, and then we only came home with one, right? So there's that reality. But it really came to head to came to a head with how we're going to deal with this is um, when it came to his celebration of life ceremony. Um, again, this is pre-COVID, so we were like, okay, do how do we do this? Do we have an open casket, right? Like, okay, never. These are questions. These are things you never think of, right? Do you have an open casket? Okay, if we do, do we allow her to come? Uh, we. We got a, uh, you know, the limo thing to go drive to the church where the funeral is going to be. Do we allow her to be in the car with us? Because mommy and daddy might be a complete mess that day. You know, like all these questions we started doing. But what we ended up realizing is when we prayed about it and it was like, okay, God, there's nothing that takes you by surprise. So you, you don't have to help us through this grieving process too. But then the other thing was, and it's similar to how we approach naming of body parts is we go ahead and say it. So we call the body part, the vagina or the penis, right? To our right. children, we tell them to say it um, because we need to, we need you to know when you were communicating back to us that something happened, what happened and what body part, right? So we're those kind of parents. So we took that same thinking and applied it to this particular situation when it came to the celebration of life and said, will, will we then again, that non question, am, am I doing this thing, mom thing, right? <clears throat> will we go back fast forward 20 years and she's giving, you know, her her high school graduation valedictorian speech, 
and she tell the whole world that she wished she could have said goodbye to her brother. You know, like I go there and I'm like, geez, well, I can work through an issue of she's seeing it and it might've been too much, but I can't get back not letting her have the closure of saying goodbye. Like I can't get that back. So we went ahead and decided to allow her to come to one, come sit with us in the vehicle to actually come inside this church and also see um, the, the casket and say goodbye. And we um, put a, um, a trinket from each of us in the casket as well, so that we wanted her to have a sense of closure as well. And when we do refer to him, like um, someone in her class, and this is fast forwarding past the, and I'm jumping, so the, let me know if y'all not following. But um, when someone does refer to Grace, another Grayson, or she has a, a, a boy, that name in her actual class, I think because we handled it that way back then, the stigma is not so dreadful that she can't function. You know what I mean? Like we understand we might still have to do and are totally open to ther therapy. Uh, at the same time, we didn't close her off from the truth and reality of what has happened. Because the truth and the reality is she knows that she was, I mean, she was right there when we had to take down one of the cribs and try to find someone who needed a crib because we didn't need two cribs anymore. Or we had to get rid of the second pair of clothes because we don't have two babies anymore, we have one. So we let her go through the process with us and it's still one of those tenuous things where it might come up and something might trigger, you know, and we have those conversations. We did tell him what our belief system is, is that we believe to be absent with us on earth is to be present with the Lord so that he's in heaven, that's what we believe. So we told her that and we told her she, he's there with baby peace, the other baby we had in the miscarriage. And so she knows about that. And so she can speak intellectually about it in terms of saying, oh, baby peace is in heaven or baby grace is in heaven. And then she goes along about her day. You know, she's six. Um, but that's how we chose to handle it. Um, I just want to say it's so precious. Your baby is sleeping. I just went. That is oh, most, let me tell you something. He is snoring is right up on this phone right now. I love it. It. I could go to sleep. <laughs> that's it sounds awesome. so peaceful, by the way. I was like, uh -huh. It does. Um, Jacinta, this interview has been such a pleasure. I would love to speak with you at another time. Mm -hmm. I am going to have to um, sign off, but you and Patricia are going to continue on. <laughs> and um, I look forward to speaking with you again. This is yes, not our first Yes, please and last. do. It's not our first and last. I know, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. You have a good one. You too. Thank Bye. you. So, yeah, I love it. Um, you know, I think that a lot of times people are so afraid of what, how much, how much they give their children, but, mm. you know, children will allow you to lead and they can understand so much more than we give them credit for. That's right. And also they'll let you know when they're done with the conversation, like you said, your daughter yeah. will say, <laughs> um, my brother, he's in heaven with baby peace and she'll go on about her skip day. along her day yeah exactly <laughs> and so I think that as adults sometimes we can overcomplicate things and they they always keep it so simple and I know sometimes people are just like you know let's just let kids be kids and it's yes absolutely let kids be kids at yeah. the same time have a respect for them they're little people they are little rather people, exactly. than treating them a certain way when they're babies 
cater to their age, of course, but treat yeah. them as little people so that's that right. when they get older, we don't have to retrain them, you know? That's like, right. Or try to retrain them because it's exactly. tougher than, yeah. Exactly. So I, I love that, you know, you handled the situation that way. And I know not everybody will handle situations the same. They, they do what they feel they need to do in the moment, but right. Yeah. I, I love that so much. And I didn't even say that after the celebration of life ceremony, uh, after we allowed her to see the casket, say her goodbyes, the girlfriend fell asleep on the uh, pew and was like, where are we going next? <laughs> like, you know. And we uh-huh. went and we went to the gravesite and we released, um, a balloon. we allowed her to uh, release a balloon. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, since, and then, and, and I didn't say this, but we did not do a formal, I'm doing air quotes, like funeral. We, so we didn't, act, we asked people, you know, cause there's a level of comfort, but we asked people not to wear black. We asked them to wear festive colors because it was um, a theme, a themed homegoing service, a mm-hmm. celebration of life. It was carnival because we're celebrating him going to the big top in the sky. Mm. And so after the funeral, after the graveyard, we went back to the church and had what's usually a repast. We had a mm-hmm. carnival celebration where we had a carnival cake and we had games and we had food, like, you know, carnival type food right. to celebrate that he's in a better place now. Aww. So symbolically, that memory isn't so hard on her if she does ever refer back to certain things she remembers. Yes. That's beautiful. Well, like Latanya said, I just want to say thank you so much. This has been incredible. Um, and this is not the first time that I heard this story, but this is, there's so much in it, so much in it. And I really appreciate you being willing to share your story with our audience. Um, because I, I believe that, you know, the, the most important thing for me is just allowing people to share their stories because we all have stories and we don't all have an opportunity to share them. And there are so many people in this world, somebody's going to connect with that. And you're going to say something that is going to encourage someone during a situation that they're having, whether they're going through it at this moment, or, you know, maybe they'll have this moment in the future and they hear you speaking on it. And what you say will help them feel connected and help them see, okay, so she, she's dealt with this. She got through it. She, you know, she's, she's working through it. I can do it too. That's right. Um, On that note, what, what is some, what are some words of encouragement that you would give to other moms, other women that have experienced this or something? Two of my, my top ones are one, lean in on faith and don't lean out because it's, it, it could be very tempting to, to just be mad. It's like, well, God, if you know everything, why did you let this happen? This is so mean and cruel. Um, and I especially could have thought that because I was like faith in it, just to even get pregnant with twin boys, right? So there was that. So the first thing is it could be very tempting to, to say I'm done with God. I think this is the time where you start asking, you know, asking, you know, they used to, back when I was growing up, they used to say, you know what, question God. Well, I counter that and I say, you respectfully counter, you respectfully question God and ask because those asking, just like think of like our children, we're moms. When your kids ask questions, they're learning opportunities and God treats us as his children. So they're learning opportunities when we ask him. So, and how many times have you said to your kid, you know, if you wanted something, why didn't you ever ask? 
So just asking like, hey, God, I want to understand. Maybe you don't understand. I don't understand this, but I want to understand. My biggest thing wasn't why. A lot of people assumed that it was. My biggest question wasn't why. Because again, back in 2014, that was my why question. When I was like, what are you doing? Like, why is this happening? My question was, and still continues to be, what is it that you want me to learn from this? Because this didn't take you by surprise. So, and you didn't choose everybody. Like, this is a very unique situation. Why, what am I supposed to, me, Jacinta, supposed to learn through this as a mom, as a Black woman, as, uh, you know, all of that, wife and all that. And then the second thing is to write in a very practical way. Writing has been not only cathartic, but it's been a ministry to me, delivering to me, where I went back and I can look at some of the stuff I said, and I can see now that I've grown through the process of this because I'll ask questions in my journal and I'll just brain dump. I'll just mind dump stuff in writing. And then I'll go back a year later, two years later, and this is now three years ago. So I'll even go back to something I wrote three years ago when it was fresh. And then two years in, I'll read something I wrote. And it was just, you could tell the maturity had taken you know shape a little bit better. And I was a little more content in my relationship with Christ. You know, all of that came through because I just was writing. Um, I think be cautious, you know, you asked, so I'm going to tell you my, my straight up answer. I'm very cautious of support groups. Um, different types of support groups are good for me, but others are not. So there is like a cancer support group for the particular type of thymoma cancer that I was diagnosed with that I am in the group, but I can really only tap in there like once a month because it's, it's like, doom and gloom all the time and that's a lot on my spirit so I can't do that all the time but I am there and I try to offer encouragement you know here and there um, but there are other groups that are helpful to me that I'm, I'm more aligned with so just um, your podcast is one one way that um, Black Mom Diaries is a great podcast so it's been very um, therapeutic in its own way and then straight up go to therapy yeah no seriously right. I'm not yes. yeah straight up go to therapy <laughs> go to therapy y'all I am all for therapy. Again, that's when I learned that part of these issues I was um, having were stemming from way back in my childhood at the point of abandonment when um, my father left. And that's something you have to deal with, right? Like you got to deal with that. Absolutely. Um, so those are my, my, my thing. The first one is, you know, lean into God, not don't mm-hmm. lean out. The second one is right. And the third one's good therapy. And listen to Black Mom Diaries podcast. <laughs> and I didn't and they tell did not to tell me that. to do that. Exactly. But they did not tell me to do that. Thank you. Well, yeah, I really like what you said about leaning into God, because I think a lot of times I, and I think about that scripture of when I was a child, I did childish things. And now that I am no longer a child, I, and I'm going to butcher it, but you're not doing childish things. Right. Um, and so oftentimes for me, whenever I'm dealing with something, I feel like I default to the, those childish things where I'm just like, oh, God. And then I know like recently I had to to say to myself, I had to have a moment with myself where I said, you do this all the time. God has never failed you. Even when you are not faithful to him, he's always faithful to you, Patricia. So why not take a different approach and just praise him during this difficult time, Mm -hmm. stay close to him, do Mm -hmm. not question him. And just, you know, like, don't, you know, like you said, you, you can question him, but it's not like, why me? Why God? You know, like, what do you want me to learn? Right. It's not just where 
I'm just frustrated and I get angry as usual, but I just have a moment where I'm just like, okay, Lord, I'm not okay. Yes. I'm okay with this right now. That part, that part. I don't know what this is about. I need you to help me see. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I need you to help me walk through this because I cannot do this on my own. But I know that no matter what, you are God and you are good and I will praise you. Mm-hmm. And it's such a difference. It's it, it's such a difference for me. So I really love that, you know, that you said that because that is, that is very, very, very important. Um, and I'll tell you one last thing to that point. Yeah. Um, it reminded me of when people kept saying, you know, you're like the modern day Job. That's what people kept saying to me. I got that a lot. Like I got the two things I got the most was you're so strong and you're like the modern day Job. Okay. And I'm thinking, God, I don't want to be the modern day Job. I don't want to be this right. strong, you know, like, but I, I had been avoiding again, like I was avoiding those shoes and not even realizing it. I had been avoiding reading the book of Job mm. because I was like, I don't want to hear nothing about how he went through so much and God made it better and da, da, da. Because people kept saying, because at the end, he got double forged trouble. I'm like, mm. uh, you can't replace my child with another child. Like, that's not like, so that whole rhetoric was annoying to me. So I didn't, mm-hmm. I was avoiding reading the book of Job. <sighs> Finally, I read it and I read it and I was like, wow. What ended up happening was God used this the thing, the scenario that happened with him, the trauma and the tragedy that he went through to show Job something about himself that he did not realize and it's the same thing I got from one of the big lessons I got from our, our trauma and tragedy, which God showed him he was self-righteous because he did do a lot of things right. And when trauma hit, like it did with me in 2014, my self-righteousness said, God, this is not supposed to happen. I did everything right. Similar to what Job said. I mean, he, he spent a lot of time talking it out because like half of it is him and his friends going back and forth about you know job saying i'm i'm so righteous this just never should have happened to me and all of his friends are saying you got this sin you're you're terrible you're just not being honest and then finally this young one comes up Elihu, saying hey look y'all y'all all tripping i was just not saying anything because i'm young and y'all are older so i was letting the elders go first but let me tell y'all something about jesus let me tell you something about god and that's when i realized that self-righteousness shows up in a lot of ways and God will use any situation to teach us something about ourselves. And I realized I was humbled. God told me and showed me how the cancer that I was experiencing in my physical body <clears throat> was parallel to the unforgiveness that I was experiencing in my spiritual body. How the cancer, the cancer of the soul, and that's part of the name of my book that I'm writing now, um, I did not plan on plugging that, Patricia. I did not, <laughs> but I just okay. came out. <laughs> but part of the cancer of our soul is unforgiveness and offense. And it will manifest in the physical in various ways. And in my way, one of the ways it manifested was in actual cancer, <laughs> like physical cancer. Because the kind of cancer I was diagnosed with is not in my family at all. Like, who mm-hmm. the heck has ever heard of thymoma cancer? Like, what the heck is and that? It, and I don't know if I read about it or not, Um or if you told me, but it was like a rare type of cancer. That's exactly right. Yeah. Exactly right. It's a very rare form of cancer. So Mm -hmm. all of that to say, you know, a lot, try your best, you know, be honest with how you're feeling, process it, go through the emotions of it all, but also know that there's something for you to learn. Like, it's very easy to say this should have never happened to me. It's like, well, hmm, 
Is there something, if you really are honest with yourself, that you can uncover and unpack? And for me, mine was the unforgiveness that I had let fester Mm -hmm. into so many other parts of my life to the point where this, it finally got my attention when God allowed me to sit down long enough to process this because I had been avoiding it. Man. Well, I am going to say it again. Thank you so much. And I, you know what? I have a confession to make you guys. Um, My husband has worked with Jacinta in the past. (laughs) So, and he has just gone on about how amazing you are. Um, Oh, wow. (laughs) A leadership coach. So if someone listening to this wants to use those services, how can they get in touch with you? I would just say on LinkedIn or um, Instagram, just DM me directly, message me on okay. LinkedIn and on um, Instagram or on Facebook. I'm the same person. It's at Jacinta Bruton, J-A-C-Y-N like Nancy, T like Tom, A, Bruton, no spaces, uh, brew like you brew coffee, B-R-E-W-T-O-N. So J-A-C-Y-N-T-A-B-R-E-W-T-O-N. So just at me um, on LinkedIn, Facebook, or Instagram, um, and then we can just talk. Awesome. Well, and we will have her information in the description as well. So you guys can can look for it there for all of those individuals that like to see it. See it. Right. Um, <laughs> but yeah, and I, you're writing a book, so I am excited about that. I look forward to that <laughs> in the future. In the future, right. Um, if you have information on that, would you like to share it? Like, do you Not yet. Um, it's, a, it's, still, it's still working, all in okay. the progress. Yeah, all okay. in the process. All right. uh, but I will share it with my Black Mom Diaries for sure. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Well, I just want to say again, Jacinta, thank you so much for being willing to, to visit with us today and share your story. Um, it's just really been amazing to, to hear your story again and, and learn more about you. And I, I really appreciate you. I appreciate you, Thank Patricia you. and Latanya. I keep saying Latanya. Is it Latanya or Latanya? Latanya. Latanya. I don't know why I keep saying Latanya. <laughs> I know what. I played basketball in high school with a girl named Latanya, and she made uh-huh. sure we got the. Anyways, so uh-huh. Latanya and Patricia, it's been amazing, and I will continue listening to your podcast. You know what? I listen to your podcast, so I should know how to say it. But anyway, it's one of those things. Um, either way, I I say to you, and I said it before, your platform is amazing. And I think the work that you all are doing is really relevant and really refreshing. So please keep doing what you're doing. It is so needed. Oh, thank you. That really means a lot to me. So, and I know that it means a lot to Latanya and she's very forgiving. So yes, I'm so sorry, Latanya, when you hear this later, I'm so sorry. (laughs) (laughs) But thank you again. And I want to say to our audience, thank y'all for listening to our show today. If you want to connect with us, feel free to look for us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Uh, You can just search us at Black Mom Diaries. If you want to email us, email us at blackmomdiaries at gmail.com. We want to hear (laughs) from you. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, you think you have a great idea for a show, you want to be a guest on our show, reach out to us. We would love to hear from you guys. And of course, on the podcast platforms, leave us feedback because we want to know. We want to know the good, the bad, and and all of the in-between. So until next time, I am Patricia and LaTanya is LaTanya. And thank you so much for listening to the Black Mom Diaries. Thanks so much for spending this episode with us. And if you like what you heard, feel free to like, share, and subscribe. And of course, be sure to join us on the next episode of the Black Mom Diaries.